2: because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano!
0: Huh? Oh!
4: Gene, run!
5: Listen to
3: Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
6: It's like the police knew who he was before they
2: got here.
7: From iHeartPodcasts, Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life.
4: From the studio who brought you the number one podcast, The Piketon Massacre, this is Death Island.
2: Just a few miles off the Thailand coast, the island of Koh Tao
4: looks like
5: a postcard. It's almost like if you were going to imagine a paradise island or draw a picture of one, that's what Koh Tao looks like.
4: Young tourists from all over the world visit the pristine beaches and crystal clear water.
5: But
2: underneath the surface lies something sinister.
4: In the last two decades, dozens of tourists have died mysteriously on the island.
5: A dark cloud has come over the island and cast its shadow. Death, mystery, and danger. I'm journalist Connor Powell. Even
2: while making this podcast, another death on the island just happened. One thing is certain. In this beautiful place no coast is clear. This is Death Island.
9: That's like murdering someone in Times Square and saying there's no witnesses.
2: A production of KT Studios and iHeartRadio.
4: On January 21st, 2015, 23-year-old Christina Ainsley was found in a room at the InTouch Resort. The young, fair-haired woman was face down with blood coming out of her nose. Christina had been dead for at least 24 hours. The average temperature is 85 degrees and decomposition had begun rapidly. Thai police claim they found no signs of a struggle or other DNA in the room. Officials also withheld CCTV footage that had been captured outside of her hotel room. Her family, who lovingly refer to her as Chrissy, are convinced something doesn't add up. According to the man who was allegedly the last person to see her alive, Christina didn't die the way Thai police say she did. Christina had been asking locals about other mysterious deaths on the island and taking pictures of Siree Beach, where previous bodies were discovered. Did Christina's inquiry into the other backpackers' deaths cause her to fall victim herself. Welcome to Death Island, a production of KT Studios and iHeartRadio. Episode two, The Case of Christina Ainsley.
2: I'm Connor Powell, an investigative journalist at KT Studios with Stephanie Lidecker, Courtney Armstrong, Andrew Arnau, and Jeff Shane.
5: Well, Koh there's no doubt about it, is a beautiful part of the world. It is absolutely stunning. It's a, a tiny island, a long way away from anywhere, really. It's very remote. It has lush green jungle, beautiful white sand and some of the most amazing diving in the world in the sort of crystal clear waters. And if you want a holiday away from it all uh, with beautiful beaches, sunshine and a very laid back Lifestyle, It is the place to go. But sadly, over recent years, a dark cloud has come over the island and cast its shadow, which is one of death and mystery and actually, I think, danger, really, for, for youngsters. And if I was in my 20s now and a backpacker and thinking about going to Thailand,
10: I may think twice about
4: going to Koh Tao. That's reporter Jonathan Samuel.
10: If you were a British backpacker just come from the UK, the UK is an incredibly formal place. We love queues. We love uniforms. We love things to be done properly. You go to Kotal, it feels the absolute, uh, complete opposite of that. You know, it is super, super relaxing. You'll realize that there's very little boundaries. No boundaries in terms of how much you could drink or what else you could do.
4: Here's Stephanie and Connor. In 2015, 23-year-old Christina Ainsley travel to the lush island of Kotao for a trip of a lifetime. She was a British student and a political activist who was basically taking a break from her studies to go travel.
2: Christina Ainsley arrived in Kotao bright, inquisitive, and politically active. But within a few weeks of arriving on the island, Christina was found dead in her bungalow. The official explanation from Thai authorities was that Chrissy died in her hotel room from mixing antibiotics for a chest infection tramadol and alcohol.
4: She was labeled just another Western tourist who partied way too hard and stumbled upon a tragic death. That's what Christina's father was told, Boyne Ainsley.
11: That's exactly what they said about Chrissy, that she died because she'd drunk too much alcohol and she'd taken an overdose of prescriptive drugs so it was her own fault and not blaming anyone else at all. We didn't know anything of the, the bad part of Kotao. We didn't know anything about the corruption. Uh, they were the police force over there. We trusted them as you would in most Western countries in America or New Zealand or here in the UK, you, you trust the police force. And we, we, we accepted it initially.
2: Can you just tell me a little bit about your daughter, who she was?
11: She was born in New Zealand, but she, she left there when she was only a baby and was essentially brought up in the UK. She was a uh, very popular secondary school, um, very, very intelligent, top of her class, and she always championed the underdog. So whether you were uh, having trouble, you were gay, and you're having trouble telling your parents um, or getting bullied, uh, she always would help them. If they were underachieving, she'd uh, go and help them with their work. And uh, she was very, very kind-hearted and very well thought of. And the same applied when she went to university. She was she uh, excelled at university. Besides being academic, she had a, a mischievous side to her as well. She'd uh, organised to go out at lunchtime with a bottle of wine as she got older. And, and they said, where are you going to get that from? She'd just pull it from her bag that she had. They didn't know. And she'd pull a couple of champagne glasses along with it and then <laughs> sit, sit in the sun having a picnic. So, uh, yes, yeah, she, she was she was lovely. I think she would have ended up either as a politician or as a journalist because um, she was very inquisitive. She had enlisted to do a um, a master's degree and she was accepted to that into Queen's College over here and unfortunately we got the letter of acceptance uh, just after she died.
4: The Thai police reported Christina Ainsley's cause of death as respiratory failure due to the consumption of narcotics together with various types of medicine and alcohol. Is it possible she got caught up in the party scene on Katao? People who knew Christina well don't think so.
9: We met through mutual friends at a party in around 2012, I think. I don't remember exactly which party because I, I've i been to a lot of parties with her. But um, we were part of this same sort of social um, grouping, sort of libertarian, uh, young conservative
4: Lisa Wade was one of Christina's good friends from back home.
9: She was different. She wasn't afraid to be different in her opinions, but quite upfront about what she believed and why she believed uh, those things. She was very, very engaging, so people would sort of flock to her in a way. She'd always be talking to somebody. She sort of seemed to be almost a bit of a magnet that drew, drew everybody together, really. She's a very, very fun person. She could talk about a whole host of topics. I remember one of the first things after obviously we heard what happened over in Thailand was that oh my god she's not going to find out what happened at the game of, end of Game of Thrones because she was a huge Game of Thrones fan.
2: She yeah. strikes me as the type of person who was drinking and talking and, and engaging yeah. with people in the bar right?
9: Yeah it wasn't sort of you know just going out and sitting at the bar and you know getting drunk it was the, the social aspect of it absolutely.
2: When you first heard about her death what was your immediate reaction?
9: I couldn't process it my boyfriend at the time that told me and I thought he was joking at first he'd he run me up uh, and it was a, a, it was a strange time for him to call because it was the middle of the day and he just said Chrissy's dead, I'm like don't be silly and he goes no really look on Facebook, don't think it really hit me until the funeral that she was gone I'd seen her a couple of weeks before she'd flown out it was at her birthday party, it was a matter of days later and the idea that she could have been you know, so full of life, so vivacious and to think you know how can she not be here anymore? How can can we not see her again? How can, you know, be one moment she'd posting all these gorgeous pictures on Twitter from a beach in Thailand, and then a matter of hours later be gone.
2: Do you remember at the funeral people saying the explanation of her death didn't seem legitimate or raising questions? Did that come later? Did that come immediately?
9: That time I remember very early going, it's how, how, this doesn't make sense. It's still very much A lot of unanswered questions because of what we knew about her. I would want an explanation. Speaking, you know, strictly from, you know, Christina's perspective, Chrissy's perspective, she wouldn't have knowingly overdosed on something like that. I can't imagine if she was ill that she was drinking that much. She wasn't stupid. Doesn't make sense.
4: On the surface, this looks like a terrible but all too common accident. A young woman who overdoses while partying on the island. But when we dug deeper, we realized there is more to the story. Our investigation into Katao has covered dozens of mysterious deaths on the island. With Christina's body decomposing for 24 hours before any post-mortem exams were done, a compromised toxicology report and no way to conduct further tests on her body, there was no way to get answers on whether Christina's death was drug-related. However, Her father, Boyne Ainsley, believes there was foul play involved in his daughter's death. One detail from the Royal Thai Police report caught his eye.
11: I'd received the um, Thai police report of Chrissy. And one thing that stood out to me was that they said they put much emphasis on CCTV. And they said that she'd been um, seen at various bars. And then uh, she was at a bar with with a European guy. Um and uh, they went back to her room, I think it was five o'clock in the morning, and then he was seen leaving the room on CCTV and going to his place on CCTV at six, so he was he was with her for an hour, and they even identified him and said what country he was from, and then he left the island at midday, so that was six hours after he left Chrissy's room, and they said that he was scheduled to leave on that day, and they said that after that, Christina was not seen uh, alive on CCTV in the island. And I thought, well, surely they're going to interview the guy, they've interviewed, they've they've identified him, they know what country's from, so police cooperate in the world, and they can just ask the the, the police in the country he's from to interview him, but they never did. And that's when it started to ring alarm bells, so that just made me suspicious There's something wrong here. And I also asked, when I learned about CCTV, I asked for um, footage of the CCTV, again, not because I was really overly suspicious, but cause, simply because it was the last live footage of our daughter alive, and it would have been nice to have.
2: It seems as if they, the police were trying to use CCTV to point the finger at this other man, but then they didn't do anything to even investigate him, correct?
11: Exactly. So my wife and I managed to track him down through social media. And we we messaged him and arranged to talk to him.
4: Since the Thai police didn't interview the last person to see Christina alive, Boyne tracked him down and interviewed him himself.
11: He said he didn't know anything about the CCTV about himself. He said, no one's ever interviewed me. And I'm not a a detective or anything, but as I was speaking to him, I was thinking, I don't think you've got anything to do with this because he was so forthcoming you can tell when people are hedging and are, uh, and i would caught him on the hop too so he had a 24 hours to think about it, it was me calling and um, I asked him about how Chrissy was because I said that she died of prescriptive overdose and he said that's absolute bullshit he said when I left her she was absolutely coherent and she um, was very lucid they said there was no hint of anything
2: has anyone raised that as a possibility that maybe somebody had tried to spike a drink?
11: Yes, I have. They've said you've got to watch that island because they do spike them. And I've thought that myself. I, I thought, you know, after this guy left, did anyone break into the room and, and force her to take these drinks or put them in a drink or do something? I've, I've thought that. I've got no evidence of that, but I've thought about it. But I've heard, as you have, of of many cases, particularly women being spiked and raped on that island.
4: As questions multiply in Christina's case, another plausible theory comes to light. It seems she might have been asking too many questions about a double murder that had happened on Katow right before she arrived. Hannah Withridge and David Miller were two young backpackers from the UK. The pair were brutally beaten to death in 2014 on Cato on their way back to their ocean view bungalows on Syrie Beach. It was just outside the same hotel that Christina would stay at three months later. We'll dig more into Hannah and David's case later.
2: After the high-profile murders of Hannah and David, you would think the police might take it a little bit more serious, right?
4: Christina's father thinks it's possible she was murdered.
11: Hannah and David had only lost their lives four months before. And the other thing that then raised my suspicions was there were several people talked to us and said, "Chrissy, as I said, she was uh, very inquisitive, maybe was going to be a journalist, loved to find out the truth. And she went on to the beach where Hannah and David were and started asking questions and taking photographs. And she was advised by friends and around her and even this boy I spoke to that you shouldn't be doing that. It's very, very dangerous to do it. Don't do it. So that gives me another reason for her to, to be eliminated.
2: Do you think she was just asking the wrong questions and raising things that the people uh, on Sorry Beach and around the island may not want to have had probed?
11: Yeah, I think she was doing that because Chrissy, although she was traveled, I think at times she was a bit naive. Um, she believed all people were good and she couldn't see how any harm would come to her, I can imagine there. And no, she would have been actively asking questions.
4: Let's stop here for a break. We'll be back in a moment.
0: Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast.
1: We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room.
0: We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television.
1: Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And
0: me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.
8: Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies,
4: Sue Buchanan used to run a newspaper on Katao and wrote a book on the mysterious deaths on the island. The book is called The Curse of the Turtle, The True Story of Thailand's Backpacker Murders. Connor asked Sue what her impression of Christina was from her research.
9: If you're at a party and Christina's there, it's going to be a good party. But she was very curious, she was, she was very confident, she wasn't afraid of asking questions, and she was trying to break into journalism. I think she was just very curious and was going around asking questions about the murders.
4: Even the hacker group Anonymous has questions about Christina's
12: case. Christina Ann Newsley, 23, another British backpacker, also died on the island of Kotau just a few days after she arrived in perfect health. Christina was by herself visiting Kotow and she was found dead in her room at the InTouch Resort in Kotow. It is ironic that the owner of the InTouch Resort just happens to be none other than Montreuil tuvichian according to this report, Montreuil tuvichian the initial suspect for the David Miller and Hannah with a Ridge rape and murder case. The autopsy report put Christina's death as natural causes. However, Christina was found face down with blood running out of her nose and mouth, after being found by a hotel cleaner. Also, we noted that Christina's parents had to track down the last known person who had seen their daughter alive as they say, the Thai police were not interested in helping them any further. Anonymous, does not claim to be forensic pathologists or medical experts, but this case is of interest to us as it involved Kotao Island and the first suspect in the David Miller and Hannah with a Ridge case.
2: The more we dug into the investigation, the cloudier it gets. Was Christina asking the wrong questions on an island where two British backpackers were just murdered months earlier? And who is Montrawat Tavichian? He was never arrested for any crimes, but his name constantly comes up. When asked about the deaths, the mayor of Kotao, Chiant Torasakul, said the tourists who died were, in many cases, responsible for their own deaths.
4: Tom Stone made a documentary film on the mysterious deaths on Katao. He thinks some of the deaths on the island could be attributed to the lack of infrastructure.
10: People go there for an adventure, okay, but the island is not equipped for the misadventure that they encounter. You have an island that is built for fun. Drink as much as you want. There's lots of drugs there. People drive incredibly recklessly. The roads are covered in potholes and they have lots of car accidents all the time. And so this island is built for fun, but it has none of the infrastructure in order to do it safely. I think you could see that as the backdrop to everything that the island has become notorious for. Bear in mind that there's no hospital. If you get into trouble, Bearing in mind the number of people there getting very drunk and taking drugs there on the island and having a wonderful time, in many respects, it's not surprising that the island has become notorious for some really sad, tragic incidents because it has outgrown what it offers on the surface, which is immense fun of all sorts. But there's nothing underneath that kind of safety net.
11: Police aren't up to the job.
4: Boyne Ainsley has questions regarding the death of his daughter.
11: So I asked for blood samples to be taken from her so that we could just confirm how she died.
4: Christina's father asked the Thai authorities to conduct toxicology reports.
11: They were not forthcoming on the blood samples.
4: After months of trying to get answers, the Thai authorities sent over an autopsy report.
11: And then... We, we consequently got the list of samples in her, her blood from Thailand, and they listed what she had in her, her body, which was alcohol, travadol, codeine. But interestingly enough, there's no quantities listed. All they listed was the name drugs in her blood, but no quantities at all. So you couldn't tell whether she died from that or not. And I thought, that's really strange. Wouldn't you analyze how much is in her bloodstream? but there wasn't.
2: If they had taken blood samples relatively soon, there should be percentages, a, a more detailed breakdown. Do you think that the what they told you was in her blood system was legitimate, or do you think they just pulled that out of thin air to give you a report?
11: I think they either pulled it out of thin air, and, and they substantiated that by having packets of the prescriptive drugs in a room, or they just found that the prescriptive drug packets were in the room, and they said... That was what was in her blood, right? without analyzing her blood at all.
2: I'm curious in terms of the documentation you got, can you describe, was it thorough in terms of notes, or was it really very basic in terms of what it provided?
11: The Thai police report, I I just do not believe at all, because all of it just seems to be fabricated, because it was very long, and it went into a lot of detail, and now when I think about it, it's almost too much detail, And it's as if they're trying to invent a story. Um, But what did get me was they got dates in that wrong initially. So a lot of the facts they put on there were incorrect and went against each other. So I'd have to go back for clarifications.
4: Boyne gave us a copy of the autopsy report that the Royal Thai Police put together. Andrew asked forensic expert Joseph Scott Morgan to examine it.
13: I think that that's the watchword. Was there commingling of drugs? Was there commingling? with alcohol or any other substance that might be intertwined
6: in there. So there's not really any concentrations of anything listed. Uh, How strange is it to receive a toxicology report without any amount or concentrations of the drugs found in somebody's body? It's
13: something that would certainly bring up a red flag because why wouldn't you do your due diligence? If you're gonna get a qualitative amount, take the next steps, it'll take a few weeks and get it done. It doesn't make sense because you're you're already putting the manpower toward drawing the tox going through the examination. Why not further verify? Because one of the big parts in our reports here in America is that we do what's referred to as a histology report. It's even a further, more detailed report on the tissues. They're examined microscopically. And we break down each organ system. That's one of the reasons we do autopsies, so that we can collect samples of each organ group, everything from bone to brain to heart to, you know, just, just everything. And we look at it microscopically. That's part and parcel of this too. But that doesn't exist to any significant degree here. As a matter of fact, I think they give all of, four full sentences to all of the tissues in her body. That would be a big red flag for me. And the fact that there are no quantitative levels is troubling.
4: Why wouldn't Thai authorities list the amount of substances found in Christina's system? Christina's friend Lisa Wade also has questions about how Thai authorities handled Christina's death.
9: One of the initial reports said that they had found her sort of 24 hours later in her beach chalet um, and then left her body in a boiling hot temple. Like, it's Thailand in the middle of what was their summer. Why on earth would you do that? The handling of it raises significant questions, definitely, but I'm sure they realise the importance of uh, forensic investigations and uh, preserving uh, a body for autopsy. That, that didn't seem right. I, I couldn't understand why that happened.
4: Large Thai islands and the mainland have cold storage morgue areas. But Katau is too small an island for the cold storage, and all dead bodies are taken to temples as a safe and holy place. It's meant as a place of honor for the dead, but it is awful for investigations. We asked forensic expert Joseph Morgan about how leaving Christina's body in a hot temple for 24 hours could affect the toxicology report.
13: I think that the problem that you run into, particularly with Christina's, Uh, death is the fact that the findings will be greatly compromised by the environmental uh, impact on the bodies. You know, when you begin to think about how long she had been down, the fact that she was essentially exposed to arguably from a climate standpoint some of the most harsh conditions when it comes to relative humidity and heat. Drug levels and toxicology become uh, a moot point. Because it's so very hard to get within an accurate range at that point in time. Brain is compromised by decomposition. The heart is compromised by decomposition, but yet they can't see any signs of inflammation. Found lungs were decomposed. Everything's going to be decomposed when they're doing the <laughs> biological samples for blood alcohol. And and I think that the way they're probably gleaning this information is they're taking more than likely tissue. Well, they're drawing up blood if. The blood is decomposing as well.
6: Does that affect the accuracy of the testing since it's decomposed? Yes, it does.
13: And they're talking about the ethyl alcohol level, which that's the alcohol that we specifically look for, ethyl alcohol. They're saying that there's 0.086 present in the system. Well, yeah, there is because... There's decomposition going on. As As we decompose, our body actually creates alcohol. And Again, you kind of have to be, as an investigator, as a forensic pathologist, they have to be very keen to this, to understand the subtle differences between what's real as a result of something that they ingested anti-mortem before death and what is what we refer to as a decompositional artifact. And that's something that arises as a result of decomposition. So things change in the body as we essentially begin to putrefy and decompose. And so the organs are compromised. Even even our chemistry, to a great degree, is compromised. So you can't quantify it because the numbers are so skewed because of decompositional change, there's no way to read into it.
4: Let's stop here for another break.
1: Listen to Rapport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport,
0: and me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.
8: Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi, guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.
3: I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded,
4: Since Christina's body was decomposing before the toxicology exam was conducted, the alcohol levels listed in her blood are compromised. That means we can't get a clear indication of what percentage or amount of alcohol or other substances were
11: in her system. Our initial thoughts were to get it back as soon as we could I could view her and Maggie, my wife, could see her when she came home. And bearing in mind that she'd been in the heat in that room for uh, 36 hours. So I wanted to get her in the, as presentable a state as I could. And I asked for her to be embalmed. And um, I didn't, not realizing the embalming process in Thailand is, is archaic, it's done with formaldehyde that used to be done years ago in the Western world.
4: Andrew spoke to forensic expert Joseph Scott Morgan about the embalming process.
6: Chrissy's father mentioned that the Thai coroner embalmed her with formaldehyde before she was sent home. Is this typical? And what effect does the use of formaldehyde in embalming have on obtaining results for a tox report?
13: Well, there's a price that you pay from a toxicological standpoint when all of the fluids are removed from the body and it's replaced with formaldehyde or embalming fluid. I think that really some of the only testing you could do would be like to go into hair follicles and things like that to look for uh, things like heavy metals.
4: But according to international law, in order to get Christina's body home, it needed to be embalmed for transportation.
13: With the transportation of a body internationally, you know, the airlines is not gonna accept it unless it's embalmed. But in most cases, when you're talking about embalming a body, what has to happen is that the body is essentially perfused um, and the blood is drawn out generally through gravity but you have a pump that's working so that that positive pressure is pushing all of the, the blood from the body and then behind it is coming embalming fluid and then when it when it gets systemically into the body and you have it going through all of the vessels in the body, it's going into the soft tissue as well. So those areas and organs are compromised at that point, brain, liver, kidneys, any place else that you can
11: think of. And also in the UK post-mortem, there was nothing. They said the blood samples that they eventually sent me were useless because they delayed so long getting them to them, they, they couldn't get anything out of them.
4: But there was one more detail about Christina's death that Boyne thinks could provide a clue.
11: We eventually found out she was found in the room lying face down. She had blood coming from her nose and mouth.
4: Andrew asked Joseph Morgan about that detail.
11: And what
6: about with an
11: overdose? What
6: kinds of things would you see finding someone who's passed away from that?
13: One of the things that we'd look for, particularly with overdoses, and specifically with the application of certain drugs that impact the respiratory system, is that this leads to kind of this heavy congestion that goes on in the lungs. And the individual is actually in a congestive failure. When you look at their lungs, first off, when you go to weigh them, they're very heavy. They're abnormally heavy. and So what you'll see is people will present with what's called a frothy edematous cone many times. It's kind of an odd thing to see. Um, you see it with drug ODs and you see it with drownings. But what happens is the lungs and then the head becomes so very congested that these little vessels are compromised pressure-wise. Okay, because everything's backing up. And these little vessels essentially give way. And you'll have this leaking that occurs. You'll see it kind of leaking out of the mouth, leaking out of the nose. Many times the head uh, is appreciably darker. It'll have almost an eggplant-like appearance. That's the color that many people change to because of the congestion. And that gives you an indication that somebody's in congestive failure.
4: Joseph went on to explain that someone having respiratory issues in Christina's case, a cold, might result in the same findings.
6: If Christina died of an overdose, her lungs would have been much heavier than average. Mm, Did you see anything in the autopsy to indicate that?
13: Not necessarily, of course, you've got decomposed uh, tissue that that you're dealing with as well, so it's greatly compromised.
4: So no evidence of overdose based on the weight of her lungs. Days before her death, Christina tweeted that she was taking antibiotics. Could this have been a factor?
6: After reading the toxicology report, did any of the medications stand out as antibiotics she would have been prescribed for a chest infection?
13: Not particularly. I think that that's one of the narratives that they have put forward throughout this, you know, this entire investigation. Christina's death, I think that they try to put this off on Antibiotic ingestion combined with other drugs and that sort of thing. Antibiotics can make you sick, but to the point of being fatal at her age, I think that that's super bizarre.
6: One: which drugs do they say were in Christina, according to the report? Two: based on what's written here, could they be the cause of death?
4: So far, according to what Joseph has read from the autopsy report provided by the Royal Thai Police, benzodiazepan was found in Christina's blood. It is often found in anti-anxiety medications.
13: Tramadol is kind of interesting, I think, uh, because this is an analgesic medication that's used for reduction of pain, and it's a dangerous drug. It's used to deal most of the time with chronic pain. If you're dealing with depression or anxiety and you're taking benzos, and you combine that with something like Tramadol, that can be a real problem.
6: The police said that she died from a combination of alcohol and medications. Do you think that they've actually disproven that with the evidence in the tox report?
13: Well, no, because they're not giving us any quantitative amounts. I think a right-thinking person would ask, well, you're saying that that is this lethal combination. Okay, validate that for me. Tell me specifically how much of tramadol that she have on board since you found it because there is a certain amount of tramadol that you could have on board that is not going to wind up killing you if you combine it with alcohol also since you're talking about organs decomposing and all these sorts of things and we know in post-mortem that bodies produce alcohol as a result of the, uh, the process of decomposition are you factoring that in for me, as as uh, as a death investigator, I would have to have more to sink my teeth into before I could actually state in the affirmative that her death was in fact related to this mixture that they're putting forth.
6: What's your professional opinion with the limited evidence we have? You cannot simply dismiss Christina's death
13: as
4: simply an accident. Here again, Lisa Wade.
9: I appreciate why parents are interested in investigating a potential criminal angle, and obviously it can't be excluded. you know I would want an explanation too. I think everybody would want to know what happened to their friends, their family, their loved ones, if they died in dubious circumstances abroad and the authorities weren't helping them in that regard. but it doesn't sit right.
11: I will just continue to dig away and, and get more and more, and hopefully I can at least find the truth and, and we think we know who's to blame. Yeah. Um, it's just a matter of pinpointing it. Getting justice will be another issue.
4: What is clear is that Thai police don't conduct much of an investigation and quickly wrote off Chrissy's death as just another reckless tourist drinking and taking drugs. As Boyne Ainsley tells us, he and his wife Maggie were not the only ones to have lost loved ones on Katao.
11: Shortly after Chrissy died, um, the people that had already lost people on got hold of Maggie and said we were a group and Maggie joined it, and then I consequently joined it. And that's when we started to find out about the corruption um, on the island. And I think together we've all tried to make people aware in the world of the dangers of going to this island. We're trying to get the Foreign and Commonwealth Office to get their house in order to help anyone, not just Thailand, but we're also trying to make people aware of the dangers of Kotow. And, and hopefully shut that island down or shut the, the corrupt and mafia families over there down so that they, they can't trade anymore and, and people just do not lose their lives.
4: Despite the pleas from families who have lost loved ones on the island and the growing number of suspicious fatalities, Qatau remains a popular destination for travelers. As we continue digging deeper, the stories emerging from the island get more disturbing. More on that next time. If you have any information about Christina Ainsley, please contact us at producers at kt-studios.com. For more information and relevant photos, follow us on Instagram at kt-studios. Death Island is produced by Stephanie Lidecker, Connor Powell, Andrew Arnau, Jeff Shane, Chris Caccaro, Gabriel Castillo, and me, Courtney Armstrong. Editing and sound design by Jeff Twa, Music by Vanacore Music. Death Island is a production of iHeartRadio and KT Studios. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
0: Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast.
3: Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.
7: Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far...